Welcome to Teen Wealth Radio, a show just for teens, their parents, and educators to come together and discuss the issues that are affecting our youth today. Your host is Brandy England. Brandy is joined each week by amazing guests, as well as a regular panel of co-hosts who are here to give you ideas and encouragement every step of the way. We also have plenty of other surprises on today's show. So let's get started. Here's your host, Brandy England. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Teen Wealth Radio. I'm very excited because we have a guest all the way from the UK today. And this uh, young woman has done an incredible lot in her life. She's overcome some uh, pretty difficult struggles. I know a lot of you out there are struggling with mental health and things like that. And and she's taken a very bold look at mental health and her own journey and posted it all on Instagram. And because of that, she's got over 22,000 followers who look to her every day for inspiration when they're going through tough times. So I'd like to welcome Kate from Kate's Happiness Journey to Team Wealth Radio. Thanks for joining us today, Kate. That's all right, no problem. And we get to listen to a beautiful accent all hour. Yay, everybody! (laughs) (laughs) So, Kate, I know a little bit about you. I know that you're a nurse and a mental health advocate and body image advocate and an unapologetic cat lover, as you described yourself. I love it. Um, But just tell everyone a little bit about you, who you are and what you're passionate about. Um, So... Really, I lead, I lead a very simple life. Social media was actually n- never something that I did very often before I created um, my Instagram account. I I chill pretty much every day. I go to work, come home, cuddle with my cats, drink <laughs> some tea with my mum, and that's it. I'm I'm not a complicated person. I'm not a busy person. I just, I try and keep myself sort of uh, stable and happy. And that's pretty much all that I can do for myself, I think. That's pretty good. <laughs> um so our listeners are a lot of teenagers and their parents and teachers who all want to kind of learn some trips, tricks and tips from people uh, and their life stories. Um, what, but I kind of want to go back to when you were a youth. What were you like as a teenager? Because that's kind of where a lot of our audience come from. So I just want to get a picture of what you were like as a teen. Um, well, uh, my teen years were horrible. I, I mean, I don't think anybody's teenagers are ever nice. Mm. Everyone's a bit, um, you know, angsty as a teenager. But um, I spent a lot of the time not having very many friends, um, being bullied, um, being really one of the only fat kids in school, which was very difficult, um, especially seeing as, you know, body positivity and things had never ever been spoken about when I was a teenager and anybody who was fat that was represented on television was a comedian they were a joke you know so being fat and being a teenager at the same time was really hard um but I I I kind of I kept to myself a lot I think my nature is to be quite extroverted and to be quite confident and I always loved performing but it was my circumstances and the way I felt about myself, like my self-esteem, that prevented me from really doing what I wanted to do and being who I knew I could be, purely mm-hmm. because 
I didn't feel good about myself ever. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was it was a it was a really tough time. Um, that only really started to improve in my very late teens, like when I was eighteen, nineteen. So yeah, it was it was a difficult time, which I know it is for lots of people. So I feel like I represent quite a large proportion of teenagers. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I So you say around 18 or 19, it started to change. Was there a certain catalyst that made that change start? Or you just kind of got out of high school and went, hmm, the world is bigger than this? Or what was it? Um, well, it was actually because when I was 18 was the first time that I ever sought mental health support. Mm. Um, I'd I'd had mental health problems probably since I was really young. I mean, six or seven was probably the first time I started to um, show signs of depression. Of course, I had no idea what it was. Um, But I never even knew that there was, like, doctors who could help you with mental health Mm. until I was about 17, 18. And I reached, um, like, in the UK, we do a level. And um, there, I don't know what the equivalent would be in Canada, but um, it's kind of like a, just below doing a degree. Okay. With your A-levels. And I was really stressed out. I, I couldn't focus in my classes because I was so overwhelmed by everything. Mm. Um, so I, I spoke to... Um, my partner at the time and he wasn't very helpful <laughs> but um, what he did say was well okay if you, if you actually think you need help then go and get it what are you waiting for um, so I did and just openly admitting the fact that I'd spent all these years not being okay and not getting any help kind of released something inside of me, just saying it out loud and saying to my doctor, you know what, actually, I'm not okay, and can you help me? And from then, things just generally did get a bit better. I mean, they were still hard, <laughs> don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but things did start, like, I started to feel more like myself and... Um, started to gain a bit more confidence um and then when I decided to do my nursing training um I I felt like I was doing something that I was good at Mm. and actually that really helped me because thinking that you're good at something and doing it on a regular basis really boosts your confidence so um yeah it was it, it really was just getting help that made the difference. And that's why it's, like, so important for me to say to people, you know, like, you're struggling right now, but how do you think that's ever going to change if you don't ask for help? Mm. Like, it, it's the most important thing that you can do, and I know that from first-hand experience, you know? So I do encourage people always to talk and to try and get help if they feel like they can. Um, I hope people listen to me. (laughs) 
I well, there's at least twenty two thousand people that are listening to you on a daily basis that like your post. So that's a pretty impressive number. There's people that'll go their entire lives and not affect two thousand people, and you affect twenty two thousand on a daily basis. So I'm I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> Um, I love that you said that I'm not okay. Can you help me? Because there's so many people that just won't say anything. I know so many of my girlfriends in high school and my guy friends would be struggling with some aspect of mental health, whether it was uh, anxiety or depression or bulimia or anorexia. And a lot of them wouldn't say anything. And we, we would see signs, but we didn't know because they didn't say anything. And we cared so much about them. But we were so afraid to hurt their feelings by asking that we never said anything because as a teenager, you just never know the right answer. Hell, yeah. I'm 33 and I still don't know any of the right answers. <laughs> it's a scary thing to ask your friend if they're struggling with something. Did you ever have have anyone um, ad- address the fact that you might be struggling with depression or anything like that, or, or was everyone kind of holding back too? Um, no, no, not really. I think uh, as m- many, many people are um, who have depression, I was very good at hiding it. I was one of these people who would always say, and still do, I still get into the habit of doing it, saying oh no I'm completely fine don't worry about me you look after yourself I'm absolutely fine and as much as my heart was saying you know what they are more important than you that was wrong for me to think that and for that to be the way that I constantly think and I still do think and I still have to sort of have this like little teacher voice in my head saying no Kate that's not the right thing to be saying Mm. I I still do it but it's one of the most important things is you know saying actually you know what I am important and I can you know take care of myself I don't have to tell everyone that I'm okay all of the time because nobody expects you to be okay all of the time and everyone always thinks like I can't let anybody know that I'm struggling because they'll think I'm weak Mm. actually one of the strongest things you can do is to sit in front of someone and say I'm I'm struggling Mm -hmm. and people don't realize how much inner strength that takes to be able to say those words Mm -hmm. and for the connotation to be that um that makes you weak it's just it's it's wrong it it wouldn't make you weak whatsoever it makes you so strong and with that I mean you might be helping the other person at the same time because they'll probably turn around and go oh my god me too Mm. like I can't believe I never knew that you were struggling as well. Yeah. So it, it's incredibly important. But no, I, I, I never had that one person that sort of said to me, you know, uh, how are you? Yeah. Nobody. I, I think that was because I just, I kept it well hidden. Mm. So. Yeah, there's a lot of people that try and hide what they're struggling with from others. And I, I always I've never I've never understood why we do that. I mean, I do it myself. It's not not like I don't. But it's just I don't know what it is in our nature. And I, I love that you talked about nature a little bit before, because I'd love to talk about your thoughts on nature versus nurture in regards to mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 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 
a very weird case, I guess. <laughs> I was born, my parents had me, and th- since the day I was born, I've been happy. Like, even when things are crashing down around me, I'm still like, ooh, blue sky. And then my brother came along, oh, goodness, like five years, six years after me, and from like he like you said that you started notice maybe your first signs of depression around six or seven. My brother was five in kindergarten when his teacher pulled my mom aside and went, "There's something different about your son." He and and we we knew there was something different about him. And then from the time he was kind of ten to eleven, that's when his depression and anxiety really got bad. And it was I don't know about ten years that we watched him struggle to to see anything. Like you could have put a million dollars and sunshine and everything any young man could have ever wanted in front of him and he would not see any happiness and then there was me you could cut off both my legs and I'd be like oh I still have arms and the sky's blue so we (laughs) we always talk about nature versus nurture in my house because we were both nurtured by the same people um but there's still such a debate I would love to hear your thoughts on that do you have any thoughts on that um well I think you can't say either either or I think it's always a combination of the two because me and my brother are completely different in every single sense, completely different. Um, love him to death, but we're just two completely different people. Um, we were both brought up with by my mum, just, just the three of us. Um, I've always been the more positive one, though. Um do I have to stop? <laughs> no, <laughs> <And> you're fine. <laughs> I've always been the more positive one out of the two of us. Um, purely, purely, like, just in general, I I see things more positively and I, I will always try and see the best in people. That's actually one of my downfalls is trying to see the best in people because you, you end up actually... Um, shooting yourself in the foot slightly because um you don't realize when people are actually mistreating you but anyway i i think there's definitely an argument to be put forward for um nature mm-hmm. because it, it's fairly uh, prevalent in our family to have struggles um and i think it would be just just ignorant of me to say, you know, like, oh, it doesn't run in our family, you know, because too many of us have had struggles for it to for us to say, you know, it doesn't run in our family. Mm. That's not to say that we aren't a happy family because we had the best bring up upbringing ever. My mum is an angel, so you know that, but. I don't think there's any way that anybody could ever say one way or the other that it's like either nature or nurture. Mm -hmm. Because I imagine that your parents will both have a different approach to how they want to bring you up. Mm. And you will have taken some bits and pieces from one of your parents and some bits and pieces from the other and you might have taken more from one parent than the other and your brother might have taken more from the other parent and all those things combined make who we are it's not you can't just say you know 
I'm a happy person. I'm going to be happy forever. And no matter what happens, I'm going to be happy. Yeah. I love I love that you uh, said that. And I love that you talked about that you always see the best in people as well. And that can be the downfall. I had a fight with my mother a few years ago because I I I've spent my whole life wanting to make a difference for people struggling with mental health because I've been born with a brain that sees the blue skies and everything and my brother was not and watching my brother and my parents struggle for 10 years and my parents still struggle and he still struggles even though he's an adult and married now and watching them be in pain because they can't help the person that they love is is gut-wrenching it's horrible and so I've always volunteered and, and done a lot of things that I'm passionate about because I I feel like I owe that to the world because I've been so lucky to have such a good life and I can see the pain that it causes and my mom got mad at me because she says I give too much to other people and and sometimes it makes me cry and I said to her at the end of the day I said if I if the worst thing about me is that I care too much then (laughs) wow I guess you and people like you and I aren't doing too bad um we do have to go to a commercial break quickly but we'll be back in just a couple minutes uh with Kate The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hey you. Yeah, you. Are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up? Well, we can help. What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. We are real, real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out GlobalTeenWealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at 1-855-866-TEEN. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned in to Teen Wealth Radio. To join in the conversation, send an email to Brandy at GlobalTeenWealth.com. That's Brandy with an I at GlobalTeenWealth.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed our first segment of Team Wealth Radio this week. I'm really excited because we have Kate here all the way from the UK. Uh, Kate caught my attention on Instagram, and she's a nurse, mental health worker, and positive body image advocate, and a cat lover, she added in her bio. Uh, and we're talking all today about uh, mental health and also what it's like to be uh, famous on Instagram and do some pretty bold things that most of us females would not do. And she shakes her head because she's very humble, but this young woman is absolutely incredible and inspirational every single day. So welcome back to the show, Kate. Thanks for being with us again. Hello. I, I can't, I physically cannot let you call me famous on Instagram. That's just, it makes my bones shudder. Hey, I know a lot of people. I travel all over the world. I think I have like 700 people following me. You have 22,000 people watching you every day and commenting on your pictures. That's fame in my book. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And it's a positive fame. You could never be embarrassed about that. You are literally inspiring people that wake up some days not wanting to be here anymore and your messages and and your pictures give them hope i think that's pretty friggin' cool if you ask me oh goodness because i still see myself as like this little like loser kid that has no friends and he's just like a little slug that sits on the floor like oh, it's okay i'm just gonna chill here for a little while but when somebody says something like that it feels so foreign I really like that you brought this up, I have to say, because before the break, we were talking about uh, what it was like to be a teenager and this little loser kid. I'm 33 years old. I've published a book. I host a radio show. I have a nonprofit that helps thousands of kids. I've traveled all over the world, and I still feel like that loser slug once in a while, too. We... I don't know what it is about us, if it's something that triggered us in high school, but there are, I have been six foot tall, 200 pounds with crooked teeth and frizzy red hair and freckles since I was 13 years old. I was the biggest kid in my high school, and now I love the fact that I have tits and an ass and long legs and this gorgeous sexy curls in my hair and my dimples that make boys smile, and I can still look in the mirror some days and go, why are you so fat and why are your teeth still crooked? Why on earth, Kate, do we do that to ourselves? I, I, I don't know. But everyone does it. Yes. That is the important thing to remember, is that everybody does that. And so when you feel like that, you will feel it, and that's valid, and that's okay. But remember that everybody has those days, and that they're not going to last forever. That's mm-hmm. the important thing to remember. So, okay. So when you have a day like that, what do you what do? You do? Do, you have, do you have any tips or tricks on how you kind of pull yourself out of that? Um. Admittedly, there are days when I feel like that and I go, right, I'm just going to scrub this day off, either go downstairs, get some food and go to bed or sit and like just watch TV because that is what I need to do for that day to take, take care of myself. But often I will sort of have a shower because that's incredibly important to make me feel better. I hardly ever feel like having a shower but if I do I know I feel better Mm -hmm. um and I will like sit down in front of my mirror and I'll go right I'm gonna have red eyeshadow today and I'm gonna do it with like a winged eye and I'm gonna like really go for my contouring and like I'm gonna blow dry my hair properly and I'll put on an outfit that makes me feel good regardless of how I think my body looks if I enjoy the clothes then it makes me feel better and I'll look in the mirror, and even if I don't actually believe what I'm saying, I'll say something that will make me laugh, like, oh, he's sexy. 
And just saying that to myself, even if I don't feel it, <laughs> makes me go like, yeah. <laughs> it just lifts your spirits, just that little bit that might mean the difference between you staying in the house all day or going out into the world and distracting yourself from those feelings, from those thoughts, and just kind of challenging yourself from sort of letting all of those negative things continue. Uh, I, you know, gosh, I love your answers. You're fantastic. Because there's so many people that only choose the second one out of all that. Like, there's so many people that say, oh, no, you have to go take that shower and clean yourself up and go do something. And and, and I, I love that because that's what I do a lot of the time, too. But there are days when you just have to crawl into bed. And, like, sometimes I'll turn on the saddest movie that makes me bawl my eyes out but feel good about the world, like something heartwarming. And it, and and you just allow yourself to eat that Haagen-Dazs bucket of ice cream and be yeah. sad for a day. And I think some people don't allow themselves that. And they're always trying to pull themselves out of that so much that they never give themselves that day. So I love that you said that. Sometimes you just need to give yourself a day. I think some of us just need to give ourselves yeah. a day. I think if you don't do that, then you end up sort of ignoring that feeling and that sort of emotion so much that it builds up and builds up and builds up and then you come crashing down to earth with something that would be a lot worse than if you would just let yourself have that day in bed you know three four weeks ago or whatever so mm -hmm. it, it's important to have those days yeah you know I, I have to admit that even though I've been happy my entire life about five months ago I went through a time when I felt sad like a deep sadness that I had never ever felt before so I took six weeks off and stayed in bed I watched movies and I played video games and I went oh this is bad this is so unhealthy but after those six weeks it was like my body re-emerged because I'd been working so hard and pushing myself so hard and I went why am I feeling guilty for resting when I deserve this break so I, I, I just I like that you brought that up because a lot of people don't yeah. think that that's an option yeah. it's a healthy one because a nurse just told us that <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get into nursing. Tell me a little bit about how you chose that as a as a career path. Was it because of your struggles with mental health, or did you just like nursing? Where, where did that come from? Um, ever since I was a child, I wanted to have a child. I've always been like this maternal person. M my friends will always describe me as the mom of the group. Um, I've always had that sort of caring sort of thing about me and I ignored that for quite a long time because I didn't think it was cool and I wanted to be cool obviously um as most children do um and I was really passionate about acting mm. and I I still love it and I would have absolutely loved to have gone to drama school and done this like acting thing um, but the reality for me was that it was too much money. I couldn't have afforded it. I would have had to live in London, which would have been more expensive. And it just wasn't the best option for me. And part of me knows that I took the nursing route because it was more sensible. Because I knew that I was going to be fairly good at it. I, well, at least... I thought I would have the caring bit down. Um, 
and I knew it'd be pretty steady work. I was never going to be out of a job because there would mm. always be a need for nurses. Um, so I definitely had that in the back of my mind because I we grew up with not very much money. So that was definitely a factor for me. But I kind of thought to myself, what can I do that will encompass my caring sort of thing that's just part of my soul more than anything but also that will get me out there talking to people doing things with people you know that confidence and that outgoing nature that I sort of grew when I was doing my drama could be put to good use by helping other people laugh and helping them feel better and making them feel like what I always think is that when somebody is in hospital it's going to be another another just another day for a nurse but that experience is going to be probably quite likely a once in a lifetime experience for the person who's there and they will never forget that experience so for me being able to be a part of that and hopefully make that as pleasant and as positive as could possibly be that how rewarding is that that's better than getting up on stage and having people clap and cheer my name because if I can know I've helped that person with something probably one of the most difficult times in their life then there is nothing better than that feeling literally nothing and yeah that's why I chose to be a nurse um I don't, I don't, you guys have um, like a, a healthcare system, don't you? In we Canada. do, yes, yes. Um, but you know, the NHS is struggling, so it's it's not the dream job that everyone would think it would be. Um, lots of people think that being a nurse is easy. Um, so <laughs> it it's one of those things that you have to be passionate about otherwise you just won't last I, I have to say in Canada, even like with our system, it's it's really not great either. There's because the US has private hospitals and a lot of the nurses get paid twice to two to three times as much. A lot of our great n- doctors and nurses actually go to the US um, where it's all government up here in Canada. So they, they make just a little bit more than teachers do a lot of them. Um, and there's two different tiers of nurses, LPNs and RNs. Is that similar? Um, what does LPN stand for? Uh, licensed practical nurse, I believe, and then the other is registered nurse. Oh goodness, my one of my best friends is a nurse. She's gonna kill me for not knowing this. But yeah, there's two different levels. Like one of them will deal with kind of the day-to-day stuff, setting a patient up with a doc with a doctor and taking care of uh, kind of like the little inpatient things. And then there's the RN, and the RN kind of oversees the medical and communicates directly with the doctors to administer any medication or anything like that. I'm pretty sure that's the difference. Here and we, so it depends. We, have, we do have sort of differences. We we have would say sort of three levels. We have like um, healthcare assistants who aren't qualified. They help out. Um, they do lots of nursing care, but they don't have any responsibility with um, medication or notes or anything like that. You have a staff nurse, which is the level that I'm at, which is um, you can give medication, you you know injections talking with doctors, notes-taking, all that kind of 
the main bulk of what a nurse you would think a nurse would be. And then the sister. Sister is like the big boss lady. <laughs> she is the one who will tell the nurses what to do and um, oversee and manage the ward and things like that. So yeah, it, it's similar. But it's just a few different sort of levels. Nice. And and what do you? How do you feel the UK addresses mental health within hospitals? Like if someone comes in and is struggling with something, um, maybe you can see that they've hurt themselves physically, uh, but you can also notice that there may be something going on in their head as well behind the scenes that might be uh, increasing their level of anxiety about their injury or something. Do you have um, mental health advocates that w- are within the actual hospital that can come in and, and address those issues? Or, or what, what does it look like in the UK? How do, how do we help people um, like that? I think in England we have... Um, a ver- like a variety of different trusts. So a trust is like an organisation that will be responsible for maybe one or two hospitals and then community settings and things like that. And it, what sort of provisions they will give will vary from trust to trust. So the hospital that I worked in, having been there as a nurse and a patient... I know that there isn't very much in the way of identifying if somebody's struggling with mental health problems whilst they're um, an inpatient. Um, I mean, naturally, I would pick up on it, but simply because I know what those things to look out for are, I would relate to that because I've been there myself. But I think generally the sort of physical health nurses are not very good at identifying when somebody's struggling when they've come in for a physical health complaint because they will just treat the you know the physical health complaint and then when that's fixed they can go home you see what i mean yeah um I think it's a it's a very different story if they come in with a history of mental health problems, because um, everyone's then aware of that this patient might have certain more difficulties with, you know, being told what to what to do and how to look after themselves. They might not take things as well as other people. They might not respond um, to encouragement, to health promotion, things like that. Um, but I also know that there are lots of nurses um, who will completely disregard people who have mental health problems. There was a nurse who I worked with, um, and she got very irate with um, a mental health patient who'd come in um, who'd self-harmed, um, and the patient didn't let her dress the wound because she wanted them to get infected. She wanted to, um, for them to make her really poorly. Um, and this nurse just did not get it. And it was really sad. She, she was, yeah, quite rude. It, it, is, it is really heartbreaking to watch um, when you can see the lack of 
understanding there. I mean, because my family went through that, um, I can kind of identify sometimes when someone might have something going on, but it's not always easy. I mean, you can't, you can't always know, but it's, it's really hard to watch the lack of compassion from the lack of knowledge. And we do have to go to commercial break, but I'd love to talk about that when we get back, because our goal with teen wealth, like with this radio show and with our in high school program is to teach about everything, whether it be, epilepsy or spina bifida or you're confined to a wheelchair or you're struggling with depression or you have bulimia um we just want to educate people so that they can get the right information so they can say okay this is what i'm struggling with and these are the steps that i can take to to heal myself or this is what i think somebody i know might be struggling with let me have a little compassion for them while i try and understand what they're going through and then maybe i can help because it is it's 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 heartbreaking to watch somebody not connect especially a nurse that you know is there to help and they just don't know so uh everybody will be back in just a couple minutes after this commercial break with kate from kate's happiness journey Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up? Well, we can help. What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. We are real, real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out GlobalTeenWealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at 1-855-866-TEEN. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. What defines your success? Is it success in your business? Success in your personal life? Is it more money? Is it meaningful relationships? How about your passion? Listen for Taking Care of Business with host David Wallach. David's guests share their challenges and what they did to overcome them. What if you can let your passion for success lead you to your success? Taking Care of Business is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to Teen Wealth Radio. To join in the conversation, send an email to Brandy at GlobalTeenWealth.com That's Brandy with an I at GlobalTeenWealth.com Now, back to this week's show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Team Wealth Radio. I'm really excited because we have Kate from Kate's Happiness Journey on Instagram here. Uh, this young lady has over 22,000 followers. She's a nurse. Nurse? I can't say nurse. 
<laughs> today. My, I've had a cold for the last few days. Sorry, everyone. You can probably hear it in my voice, but I can't. I can't speak. <laughs> Kate is a nurse, mental health and positive body image advocate, and a cat lover. And she's here ask, answering my questions about mental health and being a nurse and being a teenager and some of the struggles she's gone through. But also, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about uh, her presence on Instagram and how it's helping affect lots of people out there in a positive way. Uh, so, thanks, Kate, again for being on the show with us. Welcome. Um, so I did, I, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, mental health and identifying mental health um, just before we start talking about the Instagram stuff, which I know a lot of our listeners are going to want to talk about. Um, I'm really curious about how you describe to people the difference between being sad and depression, because if you look at my grandfather's generation and even my parents' generation before my brother struggled with depression, they really thought that depression was not a thing. It was just that you're really sad and you're being lazy and won't pull yourself out of your sadness. And we know now that that's not true, studying the brain, that it's really a part of your brain that's affected and we don't know how to heal it yet. That's something that we've been working on for a long time, but we still haven't figured out that. So how do you describe to people the difference between being sad and being depressed or having depression? Um, Well, I think it's important to note that every everybody who lives on planet earth will feel depressed at some point in their life lots of people will feel depression after the loss of someone important to them um if they lost a job something like that and that is classed as a depression it can make you um depressed to the point where you are so upset that you can't function as you normally would what i would um say would be that clinical depression and feeling depressed are two different things so clinical depression is that feeling when there is no let up from that feeling it it goes on for months it's not it's not something that you feel sad about for a few weeks and then Things start to turn around and they start to feel better. Clinical depression is something that goes on for months and years and won't get better unless you have some form of intervention, be it medicine or psychotherapies or um, holistic therapies, something that can treat that condition. Um, Really, depression in general, isn't being sad. Lots of people who have depression feel nothing. It's it's not just a sadness. I mean, there is, obviously, people mostly associate depression with sadness and upset, but there is a large proportion of clinical depression that you just feel numb. It's not like crying every day and wanting to, you know, eat loads of chocolate and that's 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 not what it is when you have clinical depression you you don't want to wake up you just lay in bed and you can't physically get that energy to stand up and go I'm gonna face the day you don't want to eat you don't want to wash you don't want to take care of yourself you don't want to do any of the things that you actually enjoy things that you know from past experience that you enjoy you no longer want to do because there just seems like no point in doing it. Um, so saying that depression is sadness 
it's like saying, I don't know, that like ice cream is the only nice food. Do you know what I mean? Like it completely doesn't do it justice whatsoever. Yes. The sadness is just actually a very small amount of depression. Mm-hmm. Very small uh, part. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's very, I know that, I mean, there's a lot of young people out there that might be feeling really sad or depressed about something that happened in their lives, but then it becomes a whole other thing when they're numb and don't want to do anything, and, and it's and they might not want to admit that to their parents or their friends or their teachers, but um, it's so important to, well, how did you say it? I'm not okay, can you help me? Just say that to somebody, somebody yeah. that you think you can trust that might be able to, to help you out with that. Um, okay, so now we're going to talk about some of the positive stuff that you're doing. Um, so you started an Instagram account how many years ago? Um, it was on the 1st of January 2016. And do you remember the very first thing you posted? Um, I believe it was a meme. And what did the meme say? Do you remember? Um, I, th- I think it was something to do with New Year. I think it was like, um, I, I don't need to have a new me I was fabulous last year and I'll be fabulous this year or something like that yeah I love it I remember I I was going through all of your different posts and I've seen so many different things I remember seeing one that said you got this and it was like a little a little bubble was that one of your first ones or did I misread it no I think that may have been a a little chick yes a little blue chick or something (laughs) yeah no yeah that was that was one of my first ever ones as well yeah okay so what inspired you to start going on Instagram? I know that you had a blog or you have a blog as well, but you you jumped into Instagram. What inspired you to start this journey? Um, well, I started it on the very first day of 2016 because 2015 had been the worst year of my life. I was in and out of hospital, um, like psychiatric hospitals, um, for probably nine months of the year. seven eight months of the year and I was ready to give up for the majority of that year and I I got to the end of the year and I thought wow I really didn't think that I was going to get to the end of this year Mm. I was absolutely certain actually that I wasn't going to be there to see that new year come in and I thought to myself, right, well, if I was that sure that I wasn't going to see it in and I'm still here, then there must be something that I'm staying here for. And so I just thought, right, this is going to be the year that things actually change, things actually happen that are good for me and I have to get myself back on track but by this point I was being trialed on new medications and I was having psychotherapies and so I'm sure that all of that sort of contributed to my um desire to start up this page but I just thought if I can document feeling better then I'll be able to hold myself accountable for being positive Mm. It, was that, it was that thing like if I if I have something that I can stick to then 
I'll stick to it. Yes. <laughs> and I will um, be be better at being better, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I I'd seen I'd seen other people on Instagram talk about body positivity and as much as that was something that I wanted to incorporate, my, my page definitely started as a, a mental health page because that was what was the most important thing for me at the time. Um, and not very quickly, I got some people, you know, following me. And I actually was admitted to hospital in the February of... Um, that 2016 and that was my last admission luckily and um, thankfully and having the people on Instagram that were there saying to me like, you can get through this you've really helped me um you you do so much more than you realize that you're doing and just having that sort of reassurance and just niceness like people were being nice to me um it did really help me get through that sort of time get out of hospital have that support as I got out of hospital for the last time I went on um a new medication and it sorted me out so brilliantly like it suited me down to the ground I'm still on it and that medication really changed my life and I I just I wanted people who felt like I've always felt to not feel that way and I wanted to be somebody who could turn around and be like you know what I'm having a crap day as well but let's have a crap day together do you know what I mean like there is so much on Instagram that can make you hate yourself. Yes. So much. And it's painful to go through hashtags like um, Fitspo or hashtag goals. And you read these things and these people are saying things like, oh, I wish I was this. And I wish I was smarter. I wish I was more athletic. I wish I was da 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 And it's people usually young people really just wishing that they were somebody else mm. and not realizing that actually who they are now is amazing and why yeah. are they not realizing that and obviously you might be able to tell I get quite passionate about that because it, it genuinely breaks my heart to see so many young people feeling that pressure to be somebody on Instagram and on social media that they don't actually want to be. They just think that that's what society needs them to be. Mm. I really wanted to be that person that they'd see on their Instagram, explore and be like, wow, she actually looks like me. She's yeah. talking about how I feel. Yeah. And she's, she's okay. She's yeah. not like, I can be okay. If she can be okay like that, I can be okay too. Yeah. And I, I would just, it, I would just love for people to see me being the sort of the loser that I am, that I embrace. Like, 
I am so happy for people to see me as I really am and think, okay, well, if this girl can do it, so can I. Yeah. I, that's so important. That's so I, you know we only have two minutes, three, two and a half minutes oh to God. the end of the show. I can't believe it. I could literally keep you on. I think for a whole month worth of episodes because you have such great things to say to this world, and I love what you just said. I have to touch on one subject though before the end of the show because there ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the world would not do something that you did on Instagram and you continue to do. You post pictures of yourselves in your underwear. People like celebrities that have had every tight and tuck and every single plastic surgery that says look perfect, quote unquote, as the media tells us, will not do that. And you openly talk about your body image issues and your body image flaws and the things that you love about your body. And it is like, Wow, it is so frightening to me. I lived in the Amazon with snakes and 800 men for two and a half years, and people think that's brave. What you do, I think, is so incredibly brave, but it helps so many people. You have one and a half minutes to tell us why you have the balls to do that, and everybody, I'm going to put the link to her uh, Instagram in the bio so you can check her out, too. It's Kate's Happiness Journey, but how did you get the balls to do something that most of us will never have the balls to even attempt? Um... I hated myself. I hated myself so much that I didn't want to have my body. And when you start to come away from that thought and you start to say, okay, actually, this body is keeping me alive. It's keeping me standing. It's keeping me healthy. It's it's forming relationships for me. It's allowing me to speak. It's allowing me to do the things that I like to do. This body actually deserves respect. And for me, looking at things with Photoshop and these very beautiful, but very not real women that are on, you know, social media and Instagram, especially Instagram, um, they're like, they don't represent anybody apart from this standard that nobody can live up to. And if one woman, one teenager, one middle-aged woman, whoever it may be, sees my picture, sees my hairy legs and my tummy rolls and my cellulite and all of those things that I'm told are disgusting, if somebody sees them and sees me with those on Instagram and goes, Actually, you know what? She doesn't. She doesn't look too bad, and she looks like me. So does that mean that I don't look too bad? I would absolutely love for people to tell me that that is what my picture did for them. That is so amazing. I can't. If I could bottle that feeling. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, Kate. We have to end the show because we're about to go to commercial loop again. It's been such a pleasure having you on. Follow her at Kate's Happiness Journey on Instagram. We'll put all the information in the bio. Kate, I'm having you back on. You're amazing. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Thanks for being part of Teen Wealth Radio. Please join your host, Brandy England, her guests, and panel of experts again next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an awesome week, and we'll see you here for the next show.